Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. It is great to be with you as always as we look toward spring, we hope for spring. Those of us who live in the north are starting to think spring may never come, but it's a sunny day out today, so I'll take it. Still plenty of snow on the ground. Anyway, wherever you are, whatever you're up to, hope you're doing well as we continue to explore faith. Think about how faith could actually be something that's good for all of us, no matter where we are, no matter how we think. And really focusing on, you know, when, when we think about faith, and when we talk about faith, how do we do that in a way that it makes us the best version of ourselves? How do we do that in a way that makes the people around us the best as well? You know, how does, if, if we're people of faith, that should affect everybody in beautiful ways. And so that's really, that's why this is called Chasing Goodness. That's why we do what we do is because Jesus represents so much goodness. And if we chase Jesus, hypothetically, we should find some goodness in our own lives, find goodness in the lives of those people around us. And we're always looking for great stories, great conversations, what have you. So I spend a lot of time around young people and it's a great joy most of the time. Sometimes it's horrible, but most of the time it's a great joy. And uh, I, don't, I don't even know, it, it was never like a goal in my life. Like I never thought, yeah, I'll hang out with kids a lot. I mean, granted, I do have a teaching degree, but that was just because I, you know, wanted to go to college, but didn't think it was worth it to get a performance degree since I'm a musician. So I was like, well, I'll get a teaching degree. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, but, but that wasn't because I wanted to be around kids, but anyway, I enjoy it. I learned so much from young people and they make me smile. Now, usually when I talk about being around young people, the, the majority of the types of young people I've been around are teenagers. And this last week, every once in a while, I get a chance to be around younger kids. And it's a true, it's just awesome. I mean, there's something really special about young kids. So this last week, I am hanging out with second graders, hanging out with them for an entire day. <laughs> <laughs> and so we start our morning together because what I do, so for a career at this point in my life, what I do for my career is I travel around and I speak at schools all over the country. And that's a very much a season that is very much a seasonal job. And that season is starting to come to a close where there's less and less times when I'm going out and traveling. And so in the, the middle of that, just to keep a pulse on being with kids also, you know, obviously to make some money, uh, I do some substitute teaching. I haven't done it for years and years. This is probably the first time I've done it in like four or five years. But so I'm, I'm in a second grade classroom because again, you just take what's available and you take, you know, I, I kind of wake up and I'm like, well, what kind of mood am I in? <laughs> am I in like a hangout with teenagers mood or do I just need like some joy? And if I just need some joy, not that teenagers can't give you joy, but you know what I mean. But if you really just need like a pick me up, if you really need to smile, then you choose the classroom of the young kids. Yeah, they're going to wear you out. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to take you to task, but it, they're just going to make you smile. So all that to say, I'm in this classroom of second graders just this past week. And in the morning, 
what I do, uh, it, where I'm at in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this week is our spring break week. And so this was the Friday before spring break. And so I start the day and I get all these lovely, adorable little second graders, you know, six and seven year olds, couldn't be much cuter. And I get them in a circle to start our day together to introduce myself and get to know who they are. And the question that I ask is I just told them, I said, hey, can you just tell me your name and then tell me what you're going to do for spring break? And so one by one, they go around and couple of the kids are going to be traveling. A couple of them are going to Arizona. One's going to Florida. Some of them are having sleepovers that they're really excited about. Others are just going to spend ridiculous amounts of time playing their favorite video games or Minecraft or whatever. And so, you know, that's kind of what I expected. And we're going around and it gets to this one young boy and he just has like all this light in his eyes. Like I just asked him, the question he's been waiting for somebody to ask him for this entire week. (laughs) That's what he looked like. And he's just so excited. And he says, what I'm going to do for spring break is on Sunday, I'm going to go to McDonald's and I'm going to get a quarter pounder with cheese and I'm going to get a medium fry and I'm going to get a medium Sprite next. (laughs) That's what he was going to do for spring break. Great. You know, who doesn't like a McDonald's cheeseburger every once in a while, right? And those fries. And the way he said it made me think that, okay, if he goes to McDonald's on a normal time, maybe he gets like small fries and a small drink. But because of spring break, it's like medium fries, medium drink and a quarter pounder. And so I was, I was just kind of giggling because it was so, it was just so adorable. And, uh, and then later in the day, I'm reading this book because that's what you do. You, you're in school, you read books. And so I'm reading this book to them, and the book's all about this astronaut, this this woman who became an astronaut, and it kind of shows her childhood, basically, and how her parents believed in her, and then she actually became an astronaut. True story. And so after that, the question at the end of the book was like, well, what are your dreams, right? Pretty typical. So I was like, oh, perfect. Let's go around the room, and I want to hear everybody's dream. And, you know, you got all sorts of things, you know, some of them wanted to be teachers, other them, you know, I think one, of course, wanted to be a firefighter. Another one wanted to be, it's always like somebody that wants to be a marine biologist. A uh, few of them that wanted to work with animals, so they wanted to be veterinarians. You know the deal, right? You know the deal. And then we get to that same kid. <laughs> and at this point, I'd forgotten about the conversation in the morning, but it gets around to him. And same thing, like he didn't have to think about it. He didn't need any time. He just looked at me and he said, when I grow up, I'm going to work at Burger King. <laughs> and then I immediately remembered what he said this morning. I was like, all right, good for you. I'm, I'm, that sounds, that sounds like a plan. That sounds good. Yeah. And I hear they even get like free food if you work at Burger King. So this guy, for whatever reason, is just like, captured by fast food. And the reason I bring that up on a conversation about spiritual things is because there's something special about being around young people. And the reason I pointed him out specifically, there's nothing, there was nothing in either of those conversations. There was nothing in his mind that, that wasn't just true and authentic, right? He didn't care whether other people liked McDonald's or Burger King. He didn't care that, you know, that food might not be the best for you. Like none of that mattered to him. It didn't even seem to enter his mind. He was just sharing what was like pure, true, real, and authentic for him. And I was thinking back on it. I was like, you know, 
That's one of the beautiful things that we get from young people. That's one of the things that we can learn from young people is their minds and their hearts and their conversations are not clouded or at least not yet, or maybe at second grade, they're just starting to get, but for the most part, like these little kids are not clouded by expectations of what you're supposed to say. Like he didn't say something that he didn't mean. He probably was going to play some video games and hang out with friends as well, but that wasn't what was most important to him. What was most important to him is that he was going to McDonald's. What was most important about what he was going to do for his future, not that he was going to go to college or anything like that, but that he was going to work at Burger King. And, uh, and it's a funny story, but it's a story I think we can learn from because one of the things in regard to faith, in regard to organized religion, the church, even just relationships with people of faith that I've noticed over the years is that they tend to lack that type of wide open authenticity. And I can remember when I was, you know, in the church for years and years and years, and you'd go to your Bible studies, you'd do, you'd do the deal, right? And when questions were asked, there was always this feeling, especially as a person that was a leader in the church, there's always this feeling like you had to answer the question in the right way. Even if you totally didn't buy into it, even if maybe you thought a little differently, like there was, there was a right way to say things, there was a right way to believe, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, those of you who understand church understand exactly what I'm saying. So the day before I'm at this classroom, I help out a friend of mine, Brian. Brian Wilcom is this great human being, and he started something called Jesus Fit, where he does all sorts of kind of cool spiritual challenges with people. And out of Jesus Fit, he has started something that is called Beer Church. Why is it called Beer Church? Glad you asked, because it's church in a brewery. So it's beer church. And once a month, beer church happens. And the way it works is we all come together and I've been, he's been doing this for almost a year. I think I've been to maybe four of them or so. And what, what happens is like everybody gathers and then there's a speaker and it's a different speaker every week. And then everybody's around round tables. And at the tables, there's questions based on whatever it was that the speaker shared. And the speaker gives the questions. And then you go around these tables and answer the questions as a group. And then at the end, you have an opportunity to share what your table was talking about. So it's a very conversational, uh, you know, kind of experience. And, and what, what better way to have a conversational experience than with a beer in your hand, right? So Brian's on vacation this week, and so the the Beer Church team is rallying up and doing a great job, and Brian asked me to, you know, just hold a couple of pieces of what happens at Beer Church, mainly that after the speaker shares, that I'm going to set up the time going into the roundtables. Now, going into the space, now Beer Church is this beautiful thing because it's not connected to any specific denomination. It's not, I mean, it's a Christian thing, but I mean, you don't have to check any boxes to be there. And, uh, and there's people from such a wide variety of backgrounds. So there's people that attend other churches that go there. There's people that don't attend churches, but consider themselves Christians. There's people that don't even consider themselves Christians and there's young and there's old and there's in between. And so after the speaker shares and she did a great job, her name was Kristen Kirsten, and she just shared her story about how God had moved in her life and everybody's got their own unique story, which is awesome. And then she had her questions laid out. And so what I did is I, I came up and, um, 
And I just wanted to make sure that the space that we were about to enter into was like the second grader was authentic and was real. And I have been in way too many small group conversations, settings like that, where you can just feel that people feel pressure to either get the right answer or that people are holding back. And, and, and often those spaces just have felt so safe and so shallow, right? Um, I never found a small group when I was going to church. I never found a small group that I enjoyed because it always just felt like, okay, these are questions that want a certain answer. And it's just, it's just this facade. That's what it felt like. Everybody's just kind of wearing their masks and it not really working. So I, I've never enjoyed small groups. And so I came to set this thing up, uh, this, this table time, I guess we'll call it. And what I said is I said, hey, a lot of us have experienced a church experience where there's almost an expectation of you to say the right thing or to answer the questions correctly or to believe the right way. And I said, today here at Beer Church, what Beer Church represents is a space where you don't have to do that. And so when you answer those questions, you can answer them in true, authentic, real, honest ways. And if there's a question there like, where do you see God moving in your life right now? Well, if you don't see God moving in your life right now, don't make something up. Just say, I don't. I don't feel God anywhere in my life. And maybe even ask somebody to pray for you. Just try. You know, I just I just set it up in a way that said, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, how you're feeling, how you're believing. Just whatever those questions are, don't answer them in a way that you think you're supposed to answer them. Answer them in the way that you just actually want to answer them. And so I get around this table. At my table, there's one, two, three, four, five. I think there's like six or seven other people at the table. Very different groups. So we had this one girl who's this young teacher. We had the speaker, Kristen. And then we had her husband. We had a couple other ladies that came to hear her. And then we had another friend of mine. So kind of a, a nice variety. And so we had ages. I think the youngest person was probably in their early 20s. The oldest person, hmm, older oldest person was probably... I don't know, maybe late 50s, early 60s, somewhere in that. So we had this this cool dev- demographic of just this wide variety of different people. And what I came to to discover is that, you know, there was one person that was would definitely consider themselves a Christian. There's a couple of us that would call ourselves Christians, but, you know, really in the space of like asking a lot of questions. It's another gal that was Catholic. There's another guy uh, at the table who considered himself agnostic. Um, you know, just a real amazing variety of people and it was so cool because they really took this idea of just being honest to heart and so everybody that was at that table that shared was just wide open like nobody knew the guy was not a christian nobody knew that he was agnostic and he openly shared that and it was beautiful for him to just be able to say you know i don't know if i believe in God, but I don't know if I don't believe in God. And I'm very comfortable with what other people believe. And I'm also very comfortable with where I'm at. But sometimes, you know, it was just cool to watch him just like be free to share that and be free to be open with that. And the other thing is he said, and I don't feel like anybody's offended by that here at this table. And we're like, oh gosh, absolutely not. And we're not going to try to get you to be anything that you're not tonight, you know? And so it's so cool that he could share his perspective on the questions from a perspective of somebody that's that wouldn't call themselves a Christian. And it was just so great to watch him explore these questions and this faith conversation in different ways. There's another woman at the table 
who simply said, um, you know, there's a question about, you know, when have you felt God in your life? Or I think the question was, when have you felt like a God hug in your life? And it was tied into her story. And, um, and this woman said, well, the time where I felt God in my life was the day that I tried to commit suicide five years ago. It's like, oh my goodness. And then she was able to like expound on that and share how God's been working in her life through that situation and past that situation. I mean, talk about being wide open, totally authentic and totally honest. And it was just, it was just you know, everybody at the table was just setting up this space to, to really say real things. I was able to share at one point where it's like, you know, it's crazy because here I am, the former chaplain, former pastor, person that for a living does faith-based work. And there's days when I'm so upset about injustice in the world or when I hear things that happen where it's like it's it's hard for me to even believe in God. And, you know, I couldn't have said that when I was on staff at a church or when I was a chair. You know, you can't there's certain spaces that you can't say certain things. And it was so freeing. It was so freeing to be at a table where everybody was being authentic. Another guy is like, hey, I went to college, spent a bunch of money to become uh, a pastor, and now I, I so don't know how I think about everything. And so now he's, now he's you know, he, he does something else for a living. And he's just even wrestling with, you know, what he went through with that. And it's just like, I can't even, I can't even tell you like how beautiful of a conversation it was. And all of that because everybody was given permission to be themselves. And as we see kind of this movement of faith going forward, I think what I'm sensing and what I'm seeing is just this desire to get past this thing where we play this game, get past this thing where we pretend like we're something that we're not, get past this thing where there's expectations for us all to think or believe a certain way and move into a space where we can find so much beauty and diversity and we can learn from one another in, in that space as well. And if you think about it, if, if you're around, if you're around just a bunch of people that are like you, which is real common, right? We, we kind of, we do that. We surround ourselves with people that are like us. It's if we don't try not to, we will naturally do that. If we do that, we, I mean, well, we can encourage each other. Like some of my friends that think like I do, like we encourage each other, we spur each other on. But I wouldn't necessarily say that we challenge each other very often. You know, we'll share struggles, we'll do we'll do the deal, right? But that group of people, you know, because we think alike, we don't really challenge each other to think differently. But when I find myself in conversations with people who come from a different background than I do, whether that's they grew up in a different area, whether that's they're a different ethnicity, they're a different gender than me, they believe in a different uh, religious background than me, they're from a different part of the world than me. Like when I have conversations with people that are different than me, I'm forced to stretch my thinking. I'm forced to consider things that maybe I'd have never had the opportunity to consider before. You know, when I was a prison chaplain for seven, eight years, though, there, um, you know, you're surrounded by so many people who are so who were so different than me from all different walks of life. Uh, everybody unique, everybody beautiful in their own way, everybody with their own struggles, but definitely got a chance to meet people of all different backgrounds, all different faith traditions. And every day I would leave that place. I would leave that place just pondering some of the conversations and things that had happened because 
it stretched me because I wasn't just around a bunch of people who were like me. I wasn't around a bunch of middle-class white people, right? I was around a, a wide variety of people from all different backgrounds and it would stretch my thinking. When I pastored this little community down at B-Side and most of our services, the majority of the people would not consider themselves Christians, I, you know, it stretched my thinking. I was around a lot of people who didn't have hardly anything. That stretched my thinking. I had a lot of people who were dealing with mental illness. That stretched my thinking. And so I've, I've come to really value being around people who are very different than me because I think those are the spaces where we will get challenged. Those are the spaces where we will have to answer some questions or at least have to ask some questions. Uh, those are the spaces where some of the things that maybe we consider our foundations might get shaken a little bit. And that's a really good thing. And so when we think about this idea of being true and honest and, and authentic, the, the biggest reason I want us to do this is because as we move towards whatever the future of faith looks like, I really hope that we can do it in a way where we can be our own unique self because then that's going to challenge each other and it's also going to call each other higher and it's also going to help us all think better, right? It's going to help us think better because we're not just automatically trying to come to the same conclusions. I've been having this conversation a lot about you know, there's so many people of so many different backgrounds in this world, so many different faith traditions in this world. But I'm, I'm convinced at this point that at least all the major faith traditions in our world today, the, the common denominator is that the end goal is, is love, some way, shape, or form. The end goal is love, care, compassion. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to this point where I am at this point, at this, at, at this part of my life where, you know, I really am so, so less concerned with how you got to that conclusion and so much more con concerned that you got to that conclusion. So it doesn't matter to me if you're Muslim, Buddhist, <laughs> atheist, agnostic, uh, pagan, whatever. Like it doesn't matter to me your tradition. Um, if the end result is that you're this beautiful, loving human being who cares for the people around you and cares for humanity, like that, that's what matters. The, the route that you got there, that, you know, I want to hear about that. I want to learn about that because I'm fascinated with that. But I'm not like I'm not interested in telling anybody that their route toward becoming the best version of themselves was incorrect because it's not the same as my route, if that makes sense. Now, I do need to say this as we have this conversation about honesty and authenticity. This is, this is not like a new conversation, right? You can pull up a gazillion podcasts and you'll hear people talking about becoming your best authentic self. There's so many books written about it and a lot of really great ones, a lot of books that I've enjoyed about the subject as well. The, the challenge, though, is that a lot of times when you read the books, when you hear the podcasts about becoming your true, most beautiful, authentic version of yourself, so often all of the focus is on yourself, Right. And, and in some ways, rightfully so. But we have to be careful as we find that space, as, we, as we're working on really being authentic and really being honest. We also have to operate in that space with our mind on the context of the, the greater good, right? Because I've seen a lot of people over the years 
work hard to become the best version of themselves with only themselves in mind. And they end up just as miserable and probably even more lonely than they were when they started that process. Because anything, anytime anything's all about us, it'll feel good for a moment. But then in the long run, you know, the, the tendency is in the long run on that journey, there's a high probability that you're going to hurt a lot of people, that you're going to maybe get rid of some people in your life. And, and that's not a bad thing, but, you know, maybe you should have thought of that bef- before you just like off them so quickly. Um, all that to say that as as we do this journey and as we want to be authentic and as we want to be honest, and and I think this journey requires it. I think this journey of faith moving forward really requires this. I want us to do that not in this way where it's it's to for for us it's just for us it will benefit us but i don't want that to be the only end goal i want us to do this type of work in a way that we care for one another and again going back to my beer church table right going back to my beer church table everybody had their own unique story i guarantee there were some things that some people said around that table that other people around that table disagreed with But the beautiful thing is nobody around that table discarded or even hinted that what was said wasn't true or that what was said wasn't valid because it's our story, right? So you can, you, we can argue all day long about, you know, what the Bible says or different faith traditions. And like, we can argue all day about those things, but what we can't do, like not in good conscience anyway, we can't come against somebody's story. So if somebody's story is just laid out in front of each other in an honest way, and then we're forced to just deal with that and think about it and consider it and contemplate it and encourage it even. And so the beautiful thing around that table is nobody was trying to be right. Nobody was trying to have the best perspective. Nobody was trying to come up with the most correct version of an answer for the question that we were trying to answer. Like everybody's answers were different for every single question and everyone's answers were valid to every single question because it was based on our own story. And so there's this beautiful part where we were just, we were being honest, we were being authentic, but we weren't expecting other people to take on what we were experiencing. We weren't expecting you know it was just this is this beautiful space that's all i can say it was like one of the most beautiful tables i've ever been around uh short of my family and so all that to say as you're moving through this life and as you're moving through faith going forward the first thing that i want us based on this what we're talking about in this podcast the first thing that i want us all to consider is simply are there areas in our in our beliefs and our, the way that we think about our faith, are there things that we're just not being honest about? You know, I was in professional ministry for, you know, around 18 years. And there were a lot of moments within that 18-year career where I was not being very honest with myself and with my thoughts and with my beliefs. And I was putting forth something that I wasn't I wasn't I, today. I'm not very proud of what I did in those spaces because I knew it wasn't authentic. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't true half the time. And um, and the hard part for me is that when I started being honest and when I started being more true, um, man, it it was it was hard. It was so hard because people didn't accept that. But that doesn't take away the reality that 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 is what our faith is asking of us. 
It's asking for honesty because we can't have a better tomorrow if we're not honest about our today. We can't have a better expression of faith tomorrow if we don't consider what our challenges are with it today or were with it yesterday. And so wherever you are, just as you're thinking through and as you're journeying forward in your faith, just be honest. And if there's things that are scary to be honest with, you know, we're coming up to Easter, you know, one of the scariest things I ever, one of the scariest questions I ever asked myself was about the resurrection of Jesus and about eternal life, because it just feels like by asking those questions, you're, you're hitting at the very foundation of the thing you've believed your whole life. But if that's what you're thinking, you have to ask the questions. If that's what you're contemplating, you can't pretend like you're not thinking that. You can't just pacify the people around you. You know, uh, it just doesn't work that way. Eventually, it's just going to come out of you in some way, shape, or form. So wherever you are in your faith journey, just be okay with the questions. Be okay with the doubts. Be okay with the struggles. Be honest with them. Don't say things that you don't mean. It's not helpful. And what I discovered is when I started being honest, People, you know, there was definitely a group of people that were against me because they didn't want me rocking the boat. But there's there was this more beautiful, I'll call them a more beautiful group of people um, who were so thankful and were so were just so thankful and, and almost would come toward me and thank me for giving them permission to have those kinds of doubts or those kinds of questions. And so just be honest. And then the the second thing, and, and that's, you know, and when you're thinking about it, think about that second grade boy. Think McDonald's quarter pounder, right? That's what I got to do with my faith. I got a McDonald's quarter pounder fries and a medium Sprite. That's what I got to do with my faith. I just got to be real and honest no matter what anybody thinks about it. <laughs> and then the, the, the second thing is just simply be in this place where we intentionally and and this is life of jesus stuff through and through intentionally get yourself surrounded with people that are different than you uh, you know come to beer church if you're in eau claire it's the third thursday at the brewing project you know surround yourself with people who think differently than you so that your perspective can be expanded because their honesty and your honesty when those things come together it will force everybody in the conversation to think and thinking in regard to faith is a really good thing contemplating, asking good questions, all of those are really good things. And so when we're trying to move forward in a real authentic faith, you know, of the future, that I think is going to require us surrounding ourselves in conversations with people who think differently than us. I mean, I've, I've been super excited for the last couple of years. Like I've just been, I've just found myself in spaces where I get to engage with people from different faith traditions and certainly from different versions of Christianity and people who would even say that they don't have a faith or that they're agnostic or, you know, it's just so fun. I'm going and going to LA at the end of the uh, at the end of, of May to team up with all these incredible organizations, Solarize, Ashoka, the Presencing Institute, to have interfaith conversations about tackling real justice issues in this world. I'm connected to another organization right now in conversations down in Milwaukee about, you know, even in, you know, here in Wisconsin, where I'm from, there's converse, interfaith conversations happening about how we can find our common ground and how we can rally around our common ground. And so it's so exciting. These were conversations that I never used to hear happening. Like 
back, you know, go back 10 years and I don't remember a single conversation like this happening, at least in the sphere that I'm in. It's not that they're not happening because this organization in Milwaukee's been around for 50 years. Some of these organizations that I'm going to this thing in LA with have been around for decades, right? So these conversations have been happening. But what I'm excited to see is they seem to be happening now with greater frequency and on a, a, a larger scale in a larger level. And so that's the second challenge is simply get yourself in spaces where you're around people that are a little bit different than you. And then finally, as we are being honest and as we are being truthful with our own lives and with our faith life moving forward, make sure that we do that in a way because we've all been around those people. We've all been around those people who are being honest about their faith and faith and being truthful about their faith and they're shoving it down your throat, right? They're just being honest. They're just telling you what you, what they think, but they're not doing it in a way that honors you or that honors the people around them. And so as we're being honest, as we're being truthful, as we're asking questions, as we're doubting, as we're hoping, whatever, like do that in a way that benefits everybody, not just ourselves. Don't do it in a way that just builds up our you know, belief tower, but do it in a way that honors the other people around the table. And I would say the best way to do that is by asking questions, not asking questions to try to get somebody to, to, to a foregone conclusion, but actually asking questions that we honestly have right? Like if you come across somebody who thinks differently than you or comes from a different background, just ask questions that you actually have, not because you want them to make some sort of turn toward your belief structure. And I think more than anything, more than anything, this is what we need to have a more healthy version of faith going forward. We don't need more people with better answers. We don't need you know, I don't think we need any more denominations or religions. I'm not sure that we need the next great, you know, whatever leaders of faith. You know, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, maybe we need some of that stuff. Maybe we don't. But what I do feel like I know, and, and I, this could change tomorrow, but what I do feel like I know is we need to be honest and we need to be truthful. And uh, we need to do that in a way that honors one another and that cares for one another. As always, you can find me on my website, mattkinzera.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Matt Kinzera. On Facebook, also, you can find Chasing Goodness. If you're interested in the book, Bring It Home, you can order that off of Amazon, or you can go to the website, mattkinzera.com, and do that. If you want to support this work that I do, there's an opportunity to do that right on the homepage of the website. And until next time, let's continue chasing goodness together.